Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Guardian Mindset Podcast. My name is Attorney Eric Daigle, and I'm happy to have you with us today. You know, a lot of times I'm lucky enough to have a lot of great guests that show up, and and then I get to sit back and think about what we've learned and, and how I can use that in my national training and my legal updates and articles that we produce. And so recently, um, I had been doing some research and specifically about General William Westmoreland. And if you don't know about General William Westmoreland, I'm going to take a minute and going to introduce you to him. And I'm actually going to start with the quote from him that is going to be the basis of this uh, podcast today. One of General Westmoreland's quote was, I was participating in my own lynching, but the problem was I didn't know what I was being lynched for. And I say that because as I'm looking for ways to evaluate where we are and how we are, uh, how we are being evaluated in law enforcement, um, it really drove me to go all the way back to Vietnam. And one of the things that hit me very clearly in looking at some of, of individuals, experts talking about what is going on now and a correlation to what happened in this country during Vietnam. And the reason why is, remember, the soldiers coming back from Vietnam were disrespected and they were being vilified um, for doing the job that they had signed up to do. They truly believed in what they were doing. They truly believed in, in their cause and they were doing a job. And, and I look around at law enforcement and, and I don't know that it's the intent of the media or it's the intent of social media to vilify law enforcement officers who are trying to do their job. And just like any industry, as we know, you know, there's 680,000 sworn law enforcement in this country and that, that clearly there is going to be 1% of those that are not cut out to do this job and that we have to find them and remove them from the job. But when I started to do, I'm a big military buff fan. A lot of you know, uh, if you followed me from other areas, um, I've started my career in service to United States Army Reserve and activated the United States Army for Desert Shield, Desert Storm. I have a son who is the first lieutenant serving in the 10th Mountain Division. And so I appreciate the correlation between law enforcement and the military. So I want to talk to you a little bit about General Williams Childs Westmoreland, born 1914, died 2005. He's the United States Army General, most notably the commander of the United States forces during the Vietnam War from 1964 to 1968. And he served as the chief of staff of the United States Army under President Johnson in 1968. The reason why this came up was because if you read some of the studies that was run by the military, and you read a little bit about the, uh, you know, in general, in, in the general, Westmoreland was a West Point graduate from 1936, an artillery officer, served in several assignments in the 18th Field Artillery at Fort Sill. In 1939, he was promoted to first lieutenant, after which he became a battery commander and battalion staff officer with the 8th Field Artillery in Hawaii. He served through the Korea War and through the Vietnam War, where he served as the general. Now, the key aspect 
to this was that what happened when they came back from the Vietnam War and was something that became very, very important. I'm, I'm taping this in the week of the State of the Union address where President Biden said that we don't need to defund our officers. We need to refund our officers. And what we need to refund is training and resources. And I can't agree more, not just because I do training for a living, but because of the importance of training and resources. And one of the things that was clear is what happened uh, or what, what President Johnson and General Westmoreland did after Vietnam. So we came back from Vietnam and the history will we'll talk about the fact that it was um, an embarrassment for the country. It was vilified soldiers for their job. And uh, General Westmoreland was not going to stand for that. So when he came back, he did something which I think we can learn for, and I want to review with you. And that is he, he asked, in a time where most of the commanding officers in the Army were leaving because they had just come off of a difficult time known as Vietnam, he did something different. different. He asked them to stay. And it's an important part for me here because what we're watching across the country is we're watching police executives and experienced police officers. We're watching them leave. I can't knock them for leaving the job. They earn the right to go into retirement. Going to give them that all day long. The problem was just this. What happens when the experience leaves after or during a crisis situation, right? What, what happens when the experience of leadership leaves after a crisis? And so I'm putting together an article right now, which I am using as the basis of this podcast. And the, and the title of the article is Duty, Honor, and Community. And it talks about General Westmoreland and what he called taking back the narrative. Boy, isn't this something that we should consider here in our operation? What do we know? Well, when we in law enforcement take the oath of office to protect and serve our community, we do not expect that the biggest aggressor in the fight might be the community itself. In, in law enforcement over the last year or two, we've gone through a lot as a country. One of the hot topics on everyone's mind has been reforming law enforcement and defunding the police. This has caused record lows in police recruitment and massive turnover rates in departments across the United States. Everywhere I turn, I seem to see early retirement and leaders leaving their lifelong profession. But this is not the first time that law enforcement has been reformed. It may feel like we're getting hit harder this time, around the constant flow of public information and the persistent social media attacks. But we've been here before. You all know that. And as leaders, we need to show our subordinates that it's going to be okay. What does it prove to those that are looking up to us about law enforcement if we all just call it quits and retire because it's getting tough? How is that going to make our beloved profession any better? What will happen to the profession if we lose all of the experience and leadership in your department? Now, what we've been focusing on is the fact, I get it. I understand. I get the wonderful opportunity of interacting with hundreds of you across the country. I listen to what you have to say. I listen to your fears. I listen to your concerns. And I listen to the fact that you're tired. And right now, let's be honest, you feel underappreciated and jumping ship can seem like the best option here. But we have to ask a broader question. 
And if we have any, any loyalty or any duty and honor to our badge, we must ask, what does it mean for the future of policing? Well, I did some research because that's what I do. And I like to look back at things and correlate it. You know, the one thing about history and the one thing that I've makes, I found, and maybe it's because I've, I've lived on this earth long enough now to start seeing things repeat itself, which is scary in and all itself, because I don't think I'm that old. But as you sit back and you watch things repeat themselves, we're actually watching something repeat itself. I believe that the current climate in law enforcement is reminiscent of the 1970s, when troops were coming home from, v- from Vietnam. Brave men and women were painted as villains instead of being respected for serving their country honorably through a brutal war. One such soldier is my guidance piece here, William Childs Westmoreland. And as I said, he was a commander during the Vietnam War. He served in three wars in total, but none ended the way Vietnam did. He was one of the public faces of the Vietnam War. And although he was a decorated war hero, when he arrived back home, society ostracized him and did not give him the respect that he deserved. Well, General Westmoreland served as the chief of staff after service in Vietnam from 1968 to 1972 as I had told you. And in 1970, in response, felt that the Army command staff were not living up to the moral code that they had promised to upkeep. There was corruption and cover-ups, and there were many mistakes made within the Vietnam War. Because of this, he commissioned an investigation that compiled a comprehensive and seminal study of leadership within the Army during the Vietnam War, demonstrating a severe erosion of adherence to the Army officer's code, duty, honor, country. There's a report out there. The report is entitled, A Study on Military Professionalism. This report had a profound influence on Army policies, and there are many themes from the report that we can apply to what law enforcement is going through currently. The traditional standards of the American Army officer can be summarized into three words duty, honor, and country. I believe that law enforcement also lives up to these standards and can be summarized as duty, honor, and community. It's time to take back the narrative when it comes to policing. We need to show our community what strong leadership looks like and how much we care about the future of law enforcement. So let me tell you about General Westmoreland. When arriving back from Vietnam, General Westmoreland reportedly told his top commanding officers that the problems in Vietnam should not and could not be repeated. Westmoreland knew that something had to be done to bring the army back to where it once was. In order to fix a broken system, Westmoreland asked his command staff to stay on for two more years instead of just walking away. Westmoreland asked that his fellow army men and women help the next generation be better than they were. He believed that the only way the Army could be respected once again was through experience and proper leadership. At the time when the study on military professionalism was published, the existing climate was described as one with major concerns present that the Army was, quote, not taking action to ensure that high ideals are practiced as well as preached. (laughs) 
end quote. Let me ask you, does that sound familiar? We have so many policies and ideals and ideals thrown at us, but how often are we as the command staff ensuring that every single member of our departments is abiding to those high standards? Are we still meeting our own standards, or are we simply allowing society to run our departments? The only way that we can fix ourselves is to stay the course. We as leaders need to give policing another chance and turn this ship back in the right direction. So, where do we go from here? Well, there are many suggestions to fix some of the command issues within the Army, but the overarching theme was simple. There needs to be more consistency in command staff, better training for future command staff, and a need to slow down the promotion process so that command staff have time to be properly trained before rushing through the ranks. I bring up this point because there is no way to properly train new command staff if everyone just starts retiring. Yes, you can throw training and conferences at them, but like many professions, experience outweighs that. You know what your community asks of you, and only you can teach someone what it takes to lead a department. Another note in the report surrounds strict and swift action against unethical behavior to ensure that everyone was on the same page when it came to the Army and their strong moral compass. One of the hallmarks of any institution is the ability to recognize its defects. The same ideal rings true in policing. Only we know what's wrong with the system and how to fix it. And only we can do that. It's not going to take new legislation and statutes made by people who are not in the field. It takes us banding together to pick up the pieces and put them back together in a new way that makes us feel better than before. In reviewing the Army's report, what I found was very interesting. According to the Army's report, they, they stated, quote, The idealized climate is characterized by individual integrity, mutual trust, and confidence, unselfish motivation, technical competency, and an unconstrained flow of information. <laughs> this sounds great, doesn't it? A world where we all are playing by the same ethical code, unselfishly while trusting each other and getting the proper training. Boy, it's easier said than done. The Army's report stated that in order to get to a better place, they needed to promote an atmosphere of honest communication, not just the good stuff. We can never admit that we're flawed simply because we're afraid of the blowback. In the report, a colonel reiterates that lack of courage to admit error, failings lead subordinates to hide information that the superiors should know because the subordinates fear for his career. This is as much a condemnation for superiors who will not tolerate mistakes as it is for its subordinates who lack the fortitude to admit them. We were the ones that were in command when this whole thing blew up, so we need to be there to make sure that our subordinates can fix it. We made mistakes as leaders. We let our community get away from us, but only we have the power to get them back. We need to do what's best for the future of law enforcement and stick with it. No one else has the knowledge or experience that you can offer, 
And if we leave our subordinates before they are ready for us, that is a recipe for disaster. The Army's report ended with anecdotes from commanding officers that I believe ring true for law enforcement today. A major stated in the Army's report, pride in profession promotes professionalism. Think about that. Pride in profession promotes professionalism. Renewed efforts in the part of commanders to emphasize Army tradition and formality would, in my opinion, aid in developing and maintaining the needed esprit de corps. In other words, no one can boost morale like someone who has seen reform before. You're experiencing it firsthand throughout your career, and you know that you will come out the other side of it. These new officers need to know that. They need your guidance and expertise. They need your understanding of what it means to be leaders in the community. So I'm going to ask you, as I bring this podcast to a close, I'm going to ask you to stick with it. I'm going to ask you to stick with it and take back the narrative. And let's do this by finding a way forward together. Till next time, help those who need your help. Protect those who need your protection. And most importantly, keep yourself and others safe. Thank you.